0: Are you ready to live a better life? Do you want to have fulfilling relationships with your partner, children, boss, colleagues? Do you want to learn how to overcome obstacles and challenges that are an inevitable part of our everyday life interactions?
1: You have tuned in to the right podcast. Doris Horenstein, author of Moments of the Heart, is ready to do just that. Sit back. Listen
0: and enjoy the learning as Doris shares her stories, Jewish wisdom, and a bit of the Hebrew
1: language and makes this world her classroom.
0: Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining me for Moments of the Heart. This podcast is going to be another one in the series Heart to Heart Conversations. And my guest today is Barbara O'Hare, who is a... She... Well... Let me tell you, the first time I met her was when she came to our house for Passover. Bob, my husband, has been working with her in his uh, political work from the Jewish Federation of Portland. And so she came to our house and it was such a lovely, lovely experience to have her and her wisdom during our Passover Seder. Barbara facilitated dialogues and workshops for equity and inclusion for 20 years. She is an incredible person, and um, and really, it, it, the funny part is, I want to tell you this because this is so funny, when I was looking at her bio, it, it says where she served on boards and what groups she's been um, a part of, and I saw that she was actually a part of the Jewish Student Union of Portland State University. And when I saw that, in addition to being the Northwest Scots guard, the Portland Urban League, the San Francisco chapter, National Organization of Women, um, she, was, uh, she traveled to Africa and Australia and Canada and Europe and Mexico. And so anyway, I thought to myself, I needed her to be on this podcast as my guest. I hope you will enjoy this conversation, heart to heart conversation really deep personal issues and if that helps anyone to learn to gain understanding to empathize to make even a small shift in the way they think um, then this podcast is worthwhile for everybody to hear thank you everybody and enjoy this conversation of uh,
1: a peace officer that has uh, used excessive force uh, I'm almost developing a sort of a shell, and uh, uh, that's to shield my emotions about unnecessary deaths. Um, and especially if they look like me, it's like they're doing it to me. Um,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. You know, if you, also, if you hurt one person, you hurt the entire world. And especially when yeah. you look like you, yes, when you're black. Yeah, yeah tell me. But tell on
1: me. the other, on the other hand, there are some really. Um, excellent uh, things that have come out of the protest and all of the speakers and all of the white corporations stepping up and groups stepping up and speaking out. So that's the other side of all that's happened. And I'm sure um, George had no idea he was gonna be so impactful in death. True, true
0: yeah you know i mean take me for example all right i would not be doing um heart to heart conversation on live on facebook or on my podcast if this did not happen this happening woke me up personally so mm-hmm. so i'm one of these people that maybe have seen a problem but haven't done even taken a stand so i am i'm am, i feel really privileged to be doing this because I know that racism is bad and it's not good. And this weekend, this past weekend, Barbara, I didn't get a chance to tell you, but in our household, we have been filled with information. We've watched the 13th, you know, the documentary.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I have watched, hey, you know, hey, hello, Pre- uh, Prestige, this is uh, Chelsea, you know, it's the documentary with a with comedian. Hello. Chelsea Pre- Handler. Yes, Chelsea Handler. And then last night, we watched Just Mercy, the movie. Mm -hmm. And even though it's been out for two years, we sat together. And then we had a family talk and a conversation with our kids that are, uh, you know, adult on the East Coast. And we we discussed some of the issues. So I want to ask you, first of all, let's take back a little bit. Tell me about your personal experience growing up and or even as a young adult or as an adult about experience where you felt personally, situation where racism was just rising in front of you, toward you.
1: Okay. Uh, Initially, the neighborhood I lived in was all black. So I had no real contact with uh, white people other than police officers from the Sunshine Division that would deliver toys to our house at Christmas time. So that was like age three, age four. And then we moved into another neighborhood that was predominantly white near Jefferson High School. And uh, at age, I don't know, maybe twelve, we saw a neighbor uh, who was eight months pregnant being kicked uh, uh, down the stairs by police officers because she called them for a domestic violence reporting by her husband. but and they're African American, but they kicked her down the stairs at eight months. Pregnant. So that's in my younger days, watching that. And then um, personally, I mean, things that have happened to me um, have happened all along uh, the way. I'm not shielded from racism just because I was married to a peace officer and because I have so many other uh, relatives that are involved in law enforcement and some of them have retired out uh, at different levels. different areas of policing um
0: which by the way that's another thing i want to talk i want you to talk about is Mm -hmm. how is it to have nine officers you told me that you have nine officers in your immediate family Mm -hmm. that have served in the police force and how does that Mm -hmm. um resonates with you did they saw or witness this um systemic racism within the police force that's another thing that came to me so much over the last week
1: when you are African-American and you're on any police force, you have to watch your front and your back. Your front and your back. Even though you're out policing to serve and protect other people, you have got to watch your back. And um, So why did they go into this
0: kind of occupation where do you have to, I'm just well, trying to like get my, in my head inside that. Like what? Tell me.
1: I think some of it is nepotism. If we already have one relative in law enforcement, they can probably vouch for the next person coming in, or they can vouch for their sons coming in, uh, or their cousins coming in. Uh, So nepotism uh, is probably the biggest reason, but it is also a job where um, police officers want people that look like the people that they're over-policing to look like them mm mm-hmm. um, Because, because it, tell-
0: gives them, it gives them some kind of a backing.
1: Right. And I also think just their very presence in uh, a police situation has uh, reduced the rates of death and beatings. And mm-hmm. I've always known, um, just by hanging out and listening to grown-ups when I was a kid, that African-Americans were being uh, incarcerated and arrested. And beaten with white hoses, so there would be no evidence. Uh, so I've always known about that. And uh, then I've had a few um, run-ins with people pulling me over unnecessarily. I live on the west side. And uh, two days ago, I was talking to women in Lake Oswego. And one of them said, when she jogs, that's this year, she sees no less than eight cop cars in her space, wherever she's jogging so um i was driving down 26 and i was pulled over by the beaverton police and they said we pulled you over because you're driving too close to the inside lane i know um and then uh i've had uh, an incident in salt lake but that was done by a detective agency that tried to connect me to a death uh, that had happened there and it turns out that these two young kids were murdered by their dad and buried in their backyard. But they kept showing up in my space saying, what do you know about these two little girls? And I'm like, what are you talking about? So they were building a case. And I, I understand how flimsy it can be. And they can just pull you in and make you guilty by the narrative that they're mm. having. But Yes. if, best- if, I, if-
0: the, you know, just last night, the Just Mercy movie, which is based on a true story, of course, with Steven mm-hmm. Bryant, right? With a lawyer, mm-hmm. lawyer from Harvard, uh, African-American who went. Mm-hmm. It was incredible how if they wanted to frame you, they framed you. And that's it. it. Exactly. And that's it. Exactly. You, even though you could have had a million and
1: one witnesses
0: that you were not there at that time, where you were. I, I, I was literally sobbing, um, Barbara, with the movie yesterday.
1: Just, it happens. And it happens all the time. And uh, the best experience I've ever had with police officers was in Salt Lake City. And that's not where people are expecting mm-hmm. to have uh, tell positive us, tell relationships. Us. But I was driving um, principals for an opera, and they were from Brooklyn and, uh, or Harlem. And uh, I was driving them to the theater for rehearsal from the airport, and I got pulled over by police officers. They were terrified because of the police culture that exists in New York City. These police officers got out, we got out, we had a one hour conversation. <laughs> they wanted to know what the name of the, what's the name of the opera, um, when's it going to run, where, where, how long have you been? I mean, they just got out and treated us like people. And those people were horrified, but they had the best story to go back to New York with about yeah. the police officers in Salt Lake City where people are not expecting them to be nice to people that they've rarely seen like people mm-hmm. that look like me so i've had the best and the worst in salt lake city yeah. um, my husband had an experience and he's a big tall black man uh he's like six four and he was pulled over and rightfully so because he was going through a small town on the coast um mm-hmm in a 30 mile an hour zone, and he had just come out of a 55 mile an hour zone. They pulled him over and immediately he put his hands on the steering wheel. And he said, my license is in my pocket. Can I get it out? You have to be so careful with all of your movements because just a a traffic stop like that could be death. You know what they said to him? You're not in Portland, put your hands down.
0: Oh my God.
1: We are not the Portland police. Put your hands down. But you see, what happens is when you're
0: trained to be fearful, you you, you go to that place. You go to that Mm place.
1: And we've had to tell all of our children, um, boys especially, do not play your music loud. Uh, If you get pulled over, do not be disrespectful. Get your information out, but tell them what you're doing before you do it, because there's this superficial fear about people in the brown m M&M coating. So uh, we have to tell them, you have to do this. And we actually had to show up for our son once out here on the west side. They pulled him over for making a left-hand turn and into a right-hand lane from the third right hand from the third right-hand lane so, something like that anyway it was yeah. it, it is not legal but people do it all the time yeah. Uh, yeah. and so we showed up and we drove his car home because he couldn't find his insurance card and they said well we're going to impound your car uh, if you can't find your insurance <laughs> uh, anyway there are things that i i had a, a seven-year-old in my house Uh, who had nine friends, and they were all white. I think one might have been Latinx. And I told him, you are never to go in a grocery store with your friends. Tell us about
0: that. Because, you know, when you told me this on the phone, I was like, why? You know, me, innocent Doris, is like, why? So tell us why. Because maybe there are other people there that are kind of just wondering right now, why?
1: If they go into a store and they steal something, the police officers will take you to juvie hall and they will drive them home to their parents and um i have a friend who is a civil a retired civil rights attorney here in portland and the way she got involved in civil rights was in high school in detroit um black kids wanted to get into the pool this would be like 1969 or something and they asked her to go in with them along with other white kids well they all went in and the police came they arrested all of the black kids took them to juvie hall and they drove all the white kids home to their parents and that's how she got interested in becoming a civil rights attorney and she's white and and jewish and so uh (laughs) Yeah. yeah talking about that you know when i was
0: looking at your um bio, you know, biography, and, so, and this is where you are members. And I was, mm-hmm. I was just getting a kick saying that you are part of the Jewish Student
1: Union. At Portland State, I yes. was. And in the 60s, I was in the Black Student Union. It's like, oh, yeah, I already know what that one's about. Let's go see. And I had a very good um, academic partner that was the president of the Jewish Student Union. He said, why don't you join this union this time? And so I did. And it was wonderful.
0: You know, when we were having a conversation earlier and you said, well, you know, when I want to go to the best MLK Jewish service, I go to Congregation uh, Beth Israel. When I want to bake, the, get the best humantashen, I go to Shari Torah Synagogue. And it seems like you know more about all the synagogues than so many other Jewish friends of mine. It's, I was like laughing hysterically how funny that was. So here's the-
1: Yeah, I refer them. And when I want to hear good um gospel music i go to the pentecostal churches i was raised nazarene and it's a very eurocentric uh, form of music it's i mean you could be in a presbyterian church for all our music knows but i go everywhere and i really believe in diversity and i think there is one problem with people we're so isolated We are hanging out with our tribe, and I think it's great to be replenished by your tribe, but we need to live in and out of our tribal circles and uh, develop uh, true relationships like the one I've developed with your husband.
0: That's right. If you develop
1: a true relationship, chances are you're going to be able to, first of all, you're going to upregulate your intimacy, and you're going to talk about things as human beings. And even if they don't understand everything, at least they've had a close encounter. So right. I, and I I am in all kinds of things that always shock people, like the Chinese uh cultural club, uh great food by the way. <laughs> I'm, the guy that ran this, I met him at Jewish Passover at Never Shalom. That is amazing at young. And just, then um I just love your also,
0: ecumenical mindset, you know, yeah, in everything I, that you
1: do. I I just think uh this is a wonderful awakening. Uh, season for people to realize we don't really know about those people that don't look like us, that don't worship like us, that don't dance like us, that don't dress like us. We don't know much about them. Well, we all should. And especially the people that are in power, because they are driving policies and platforms that affect the people at the bottom, like me, or people that look like me. And it behooves them to have us at the table, because They don't have the answers because they haven't had the experiences.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Which is great, great segue into what do you think, um, how can we, this is the question, how can we grow forward together, together as a nation? This Mm -hmm. is like, I think this is such a pinnacle time in our history of the United States. Um, I've been, I've lived here only 30 years, uh, was born and raised, as you know, in Israel, a little different. And and I was not aware of the depths of the racism and inequality. I mean, I knew that it exists, but until the last two weeks, I've been maybe blind to it, maybe, I don't know what. So here's, here's, I'm hoping that when people hear me say that, they say, well, if Doris can open her mind and her heart and, and create relationship with so many people, so can I right? Yes. Because it starts with the individual. I really believe it starts with us as individuals. So what do you suggest?
1: Uh, your... Takuno olam. One by one. One by one. takuno lam.
0: olam.
1: Tikkun olam. So, I love you, if, Barbara. <laughs> if we understand that wars and battles are won one by one, and it's the hearts and the minds of people that must change. You can legislate until the cows come home, as they've done since the 1600s. They've had all kinds of legislation, but um, people uh, really must get educated. Uh, uh, Americans, we're talking about this country, this kingdom uh, from the 1600s, because their first big fat sin was decimating uh, the First Nations people native american people and then the second sin was importing uh chattel or or labor uh to work for free for 300 years to make make white people rich so i think what people need to do is to educate themselves and you're doing it right you're starting with that generation coming behind you you've got to break the cycle somewhere but you've got to get educated and it's not necessarily the job of um african americans or latinx people or asian people or polynesian people to educate white people they are the earth's minority whites Mm -hmm. and uh the business of putting on blinders or blinding yourself with the flag as i heard uh, drew Brees say Mm -hmm. uh, is not appropriate you need to be aware of your history Otherwise, you can't change anything if you're living in a or swimming in a pool of ignorance. So educate yourself, read, watch movies. I, and I tell people, if you're really lazy, watch Jeopardy! because Jeopardy! is the most diverse academic program on television right now that is popular because they have African-American, Latinx history, uh, Jewish history. Uh, Asian culture, uh, geography, about all. I had never seen any information on any, and I'm a game show fanatic. I had never seen, I've been watching Jeopardy since before Alex Trebek. Now I know why you
0: love my husband.
1: He (laughs) loves Jeopardy. You know, when I came 30 years ago,
0: 32 years ago, we used to sit with his parents and watch it every night.
1: I I didn't I didn't know that. Yes. I I watched Jeopardy before Alex Trebek.
0: Wow. Wow. And maybe Bob
1: did too. I don't know. But when I came, (laughs) I believe it was uh, Alex. But they always have diverse questions. And it hadn't happened. uh, It started happening in the last, I don't know, five, 10 years. Before it was only about white history, white geography, white stuff. And now it's about, Everybody so it's pretty inclusive and of course the areas where most of the uh, Contestants fall down is in African history African geography African contributions in this country. They have no idea because the narrative is controlled uh, in our uh, education system by uh, People that are practicing white supremacy whether they say it or not mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. They are practicing so give us
0: some tools Give us some tools and suggestions. So we have Jeopardy. Is there something, by the way, all the people who are listening right now, I will have in the notes right below in the comments on Facebook, some of the links that Barbara will send me that I will share with everybody. I will also create this live Zoom as a podcast on my podcast, Moments of the Heart, under the series of Heart to Heart Conversation, which is really what I'm doing right now with Barbara. We're talking heart to heart. As you remember, as you recall, the viewers, last week we had my friend Kalkidan Ezra who moved from Ethiopia 12 years ago. And next week I will have other amazing friends. So stay tuned for this because it's important. <laughs> it's important to keep on talking about it, to bring it. And by the way, one of the sessions that I will have is white people adopting black children, and which I think is really an important an interesting take and what goes on in their own lives, right? We talked about with you being Black and having Black children, but I could imagine having, being white parent, having Black children could be really hard, or maybe even the other way around. Black, children, black adults have white children. How does that work, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and what are the experiences that they had in growing up, right, or raising their children? But, but back to this. Um,
1: Let's think. And before you leave that, I have one godson that is African-American, uh, raised by two uh, PhDs at Paneor, And so he was raised totally Jewish, but he's uh, African-American, and now he's getting ready to go to college. And so I've been bombarding him for the last year with blackness, stuff about blackness. And he was saying things like, well, my mother didn't teach me how to be black. And I said, how could she? She's white.
0: Yeah. Wow! You see, yeah, yeah. That's you it. teach what you
1: know. You so you some know. of the resources that I think are, are uh, just really crucial, and you don't need to overwhelm people with so much that it, that they do nothing. So if you're really lazy, watch Jeopardy. Uh, if you're a reader, White Fragility I think is a must. Written by a white woman that lived here in Portland that couldn't find a job when she lived here, um, and then a Race for Profit that speaks to the housing situation why we're so polarized and isolated from one another it starts with housing Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. and uh, so you want to talk about race that's another book Uh, waking up white Um, black labor white wealth that might explain why african americans are angry as they should be and uh, christopher columbus and the african holocaust
0: wow Uh, Mm -hmm.
1: born on third base which was written by a one percenter and uh, I was going to suggest that people watch the 13th, but that's all about the criminal justice system. Yes. yes. I and watched it, it
0: over this weekend. And by the way, I think going into Netflix or on demand and find documentaries that are for this subject, I think it's also good for those who don't like to read books. You know, maybe there are those people out there. So let's give them some TV shows. And just this weekend, I've seen three that were like, wow.
1: And and if you're over 40, you might still have your DVD player. I buy a lot of this stuff (laughs) and I put it in my car. I still have an in-dash CD player. uh, And so when I'm driving around. um, That's
0: really cool because I don't have it.
1: I'm (laughs) listening. Um, Also, the New York Times does an excellent job Mm -hmm. of exposing uh, a lot of the uh, racist undercurrent in the United States. Um, Barbara,
0: here's a question. Do yeah. you, when, when we're going through this right now, mm-hmm. do you have hope in your heart? Uh,
1: I, I've always had hope because I've been doing dialogues with Beyond Diversity LLC for um, probably the last 10 years, and I've been doing it in total for about 20 years, uh, and it was all happenstance. I had no intentions of talking about racism after 5.30, <laughs> but uh, apparently the universe doesn't care. Um, I, I, I believe what Sir Joyner Truth, uh, said, and that is keep going, Mm -hmm. keep going, keep going, keep going. This is a time when all of a sudden, I don't know why this moment is so magical other than the confluence of, uh, job loss. We're at home anyway, watching Mm -hmm. TV, we have nowhere to go. So we Mm -hmm. might as well watch all of this stuff. Uh, job loss, and then also the fear of death because of the COVID-19 virus or pandemic. And um, I think there are some key words that we always need to think about, and that is social engineering. Part of the white supremacist thought, theory, or notion is that people that look like me are not very smart. They're not very creative. They've made no contribution to this country. Uh, But that's that's social engineering and that's messaging in words, and also he who controls the narrative uh, wins, Uh and so the narrative is basically controlled by white men, and 40 years ago, as a woman, as a white woman, you would know that uh, one of the ways they kept women out of corporate America is by telling everybody they're too emotional Mm -hmm. to have, to be in management and to work. Mm -hmm. Uh, They don't have the uh, core constitution to think about engineering and science when in fact they had black women helping them get that man it, on N-NASA. the moon. NASA.
0: Exactly. <laughs> right. and, and for all these movie goers, you know, that's, that's in the movies, you know, you can find it based on true
1: stories. Amazing. Amazing. we have got to start telling the truth and we've got to force them to. And if it's uh, protests, protest, uh, okay, fine uh, if it's, uh, changing the culture. And, and I have to always help people remember that everybody African-American that was murdered, wasn't murdered by a white person. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some African-Americans that have killed African-Americans and the guy that killed, um, George is ma- was married to an Asian and she publicly divorced him this week. Wow. And, uh, the two people that two of the people out of the group of three were Asian that were standing by when uh, George Floyd was being murdered. This is a
0: learning for the entire humanity, right? Yeah, we
1: have got to change the culture of demonization of a particular group and uh, superficial uh, fear that is highly unwarranted. I don't think you can find maybe more than 10 police officers that have ever been uh, murdered by a black person. Tons of them have been murdered by white people, and they have no uh, narrative around that. Yeah. Well, but
0: you know what? You and I are doing what we're doing now, and what many, many people are doing. They come up with, a, with a, from the Jewish mindset of, uh, if I'm only for myself, what am I? If I'm, uh-huh. if I'm uh, and, when, and if not now, when, right? If there's nobody for me, Who will be for me? When I'm only for myself, what am I? And if not Mm -hmm. now, when? And Mm -hmm. it seems like this is the right time. We're not only for ourselves, we're for the people around us. And in the 1970s, there was a song in Israel by Ari Kahnstein where it says, you and I will change the world. And I played it last in our last... um, Podcast at the very end in my, our last live, I will put it again on this podcast. But it's it's pretty much ani ve'ata neshane et ha'olam, ani ve'ata az yavoq va kula, amu edzekodim lefanei ze lo meshane ani ve'ata neshane et ha'olam, which means you and I will change the world. You and I, and after us, everybody else will come. People said it before, but it doesn't matter because you and I will change the world. And that's the song of these words. And I we love. I loved it in the 1970s, and I love it now. Thank you. Thank you, Barbara.
1: It was a pleasure. And uh, keep singing. I like it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Thank you for watching. We'd love comments. Just feel free to comment and support us. And and really be in touch. Thank you, everybody.
1: Thank you, bye-bye. I'll send you that information.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so now we are...